0: you have your Bible with you this morning, I would be honored if you would turn with me to the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians, as we near the ending of this wonderful letter that Paul wrote to the churches scattered about in the region of Galatia so many years ago. And it has been a blessing for us to trek through this verse by verse and I trust it has been a blessing for your hearts and nourishment for your souls. I pray that there will be lasting effect as the Spirit continues to use this biblical truth to impact our lives forever. We're going to mainly focus this morning on two verses. I know that you see there that we have it all the way to the end. But we're going to start in verse 11. And we're going to read down to the end of the book. However, I want to go back in the middle there. at Verses 14 and 15 for our time this morning. And just think about boasting in the cross of Christ. So we'll we'll read these verses and then we'll pray. Verse 11. See with what large letters I am writing to you with my own hand. It is those who want to make a good showing in the flesh... Who would force you to be circumcised. And only in order that they may not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even those who are circumcised do not themselves keep the law. But they desire to have you circumcised. That they might boast in your flesh. But far be it from me to boast. Except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Far be it from me to boast. Except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. By which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy be upon them and upon the Israel of God. From now on let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the marks of Jesus The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. And we'll probably take this in about three sermons to get through all of those verses. Let's pray together. Lord, we are so thankful for your inspired, inerrant, infallible word. We are thankful this morning that even as we read it together, we have been nourished, fed, and blessed. Thank you for inspiring its writing. Thank you for preserving it through the centuries. And we thank you for that present work of illumination that gives us understanding. And then we thank you for the power to apply it and live it out in our lives. God, we pray this morning that we would live the rest of our days to magnify and to glorify you. That we would live, O oh God, for the sole purpose of making much of You. And of the Lord Jesus Christ in His crucifixion and resurrection from the dead. His ascension into heaven and His soon return. O oh God, we pray that we would boast, not in ourselves, not in our individual effort not in our creativity or ingenuity, but boast in you alone. Glory in you alone. Help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When we come to these verses, we come to a point in a place in the book that does seem to have a ring of an apex and a crescendo that we would reach this lofty spot in his letter when all that he has been talking about, all that he has been saying from the beginning until now has led us to this point. The Jewish legalists, the Judaizers who were propagating a false gospel among these churches were propagating a message of justification in the sight of God on the basis of law-keeping, on the basis of personal performance, on the basis of what I do, and therefore you can just see them when they would get to heaven or if they would stand before God, they would be filled with this pride to say, look at what I've done. Aren't you proud of me? Didn't I... Earn your favor through my works. And Paul says, not for me. For the apostle Paul, he lived and he suffered. Suffered so greatly. Labored so tirelessly. Day in and day out. Shipwrecked. Without food. Without clothing. Beaten. Stoned and left for dead. Imprisoned. Chased. Chased. Ridiculed, mocked, scorned. He did that every day with joy in his heart. Because what he lived for, listen, was not self-preservation or safety. He did that to glorify God and to magnify Jesus Christ who died in his place and for his sins. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ is to be the only boast that a Christian has. It's never in me, it's never in you, that finally and ultimately we can say, look at this, what a display of power, what a display of wisdom, what a display of majesty, what a display of faithfulness. No, it always comes back to Christ. His faithful, perfect obedience. His faithful substitutionary sacrifice, His glorious resurrection, His glorious ascension, and soon to be His glorious return. It is all about Christ. The message from God, the good news from the Creator, is not what you can do to save yourself, but what He has done in the person of Christ to save sinners. That's the gospel of our God. One commentator writes in summary of these verses that Paul, quote, gloried in the cross because it was the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. That was the source of his and every believer's righteousness and acceptance before God and brought The end of his hopeless frustration in pursuing God through works. What a relief that is. I hope today that you can say you have felt that release. That you have felt the burden lift from your shoulders. Recognizing... That in and of yourself you are guilty, guilty, guilty. But in Christ you can be and are set free. I hope you feel that this morning. He comes to this point in this place where he says in verse 12. Those who want to make a good showing in the flesh. We talked about this last week. They were motivated. By trying to put on a show in their outward performance, in their outward appearance, but inside they were not changed. And so they all they could do was make a good show of religious ceremonialism and behavior modification. But they could not do anything to change their inward selves. And he says they are motivated by the desire to make a good show in the flesh, in their personal performance, in their efforts and achievements. And they want to force these Gentile Christians and putting pressure on them in verse 12 to be circumcised. And their second motivation was so that they wouldn't be persecuted for preaching Christ alone as the means of justification in the sight of God. And he says, because in verse 13, even those, it just exposes their hypocrisy. They can't even keep the law. They do not keep the law. Those who would put this pressure on you to be circumcised. But they want to boast. They want to glory in your modification and your flesh. They want to boast that you have jumped onto their team. And you're wearing their jersey now. And you're advocating the same false message that they were. That's what they gloried in. They were motivated by that. And Paul says, let me show you what I'm motivated by. Not to boast in self-effort, human religion, ceremonial rituals, law-keeping. But to boast in Christ and Him crucified. That is the heart And center of the gospel. That's why we gather every Sunday to worship this one. Who came and bled and died and rose again. Let me give you just a sampling of scriptures (laughs) in the New Testament. They're, They're all about this. So it's hard to pick. But let me give you just a few. The Bible says that the worst problem God has revealed throughout scripture. That the worst problem we have is that we are sinners. And the fundamental problem of being a sinner by nature is that we can't do anything to change ourselves. We can beautify the outside. We can stop doing some things only to start doing something else. Only to fail somewhere else. None of us in this life can be nor achieve holy perfection and reach that standard of perfection that God holds us accountable to, we can none of us make it there. And so Paul writes, for example, in Romans 6:23 that the wages of our sinfulness is death is death. but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Turn with me for just a moment. This is one of the most important passages, I think, in the New Testament to Romans chapter 3. I want you to consider this morning the work of the cross of Christ was to answer that fundamental problem, was to come and to provide the remedy for our condition as broken, depraved, Sinful people that are abiding under the just and holy and righteous anger and wrath of the almighty creator God. That's our state in and of ourselves. And listen, works of personal performance of do good in this way and this kind of religion, whether it's legalistic Judaism or any kind of world religion that tries to seek through personal performance and effort to earn justification, to earn salvation and acceptance in the sight of God, we fall short of that because we are not righteous at the core of our beings. Romans chapter 3 verse 9. He took chapter 1 and chapter 2 to establish that Jews and Gentiles alike are sinners and under the just wrath of God. He comes to this climactic point in chapter 3 verse 9 when he says, What then? Are the Jews any better off? No, not at all. Their ethnic distinction as Jewish people, Paul says, merits them nothing when it comes to true righteousness in the sight of God. Listen to what he says, Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. The law was never given so that you could climb the ladder of personal performance of the law and earn and gain acceptance in God's sight. The law was given so that you and I would understand that we are sinners in need of a Savior. And so he says, Now we know that the law, whatever the law says, it says to those who are under it, so that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes knowledge of sin. Now listen, beloved, listen. And I pray, I pray God, open your eyes. If he hasn't already. But now, listen, but now. The righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God Through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Listen. And are justified by His grace as a gift. Through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's the cross. Whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood. To be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. He looked very unjust and guilty to the world. Because he's holy and he's just and he's pure and you are sinning every day and he's not doing anything about it. And so the Satan and demon spirits are looking up and the onlooking angels are looking up and they're saying, hey, you cast us out, these demons, these fallen angels, you cast us out for our rebellion. What are you doing with them? He says this was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God is not unjust. He just prolonged His justice. He just has this divine forbearance, this patience, With humanity as we live and move and decide and die and face the judgment. And he's perfectly content. He's the eternal everlasting God. He knows that no one is getting away with one half of one sin. But it will either be punished in eternal lake of fire. Or it will be pardoned in Christ alone. But it will never be overlooked. And so when Christ... Bowed his head on the cross of Calvary and died as that propitiation, that covering, that atonement for the sinner. God's just wrath was poured out. And his, his demand that sin be punished, his justice was satisfied when Christ gave his life as a substitutionary sacrifice. Romans chapter 8 I started to warn you, we're going to turn a whole lot here. Romans chapter eight, beginning in verse one. This is what happens to the recipients of the work of the cross. There is, therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law, the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God, listen to this very carefully, for God has done what the law, what these Judaizers were saying you have to do in order to be justified. He says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. What can the law not do? Make you righteous. The law cannot make you righteous. The law cannot make you acceptable in the sight of God. So God did in Christ what the law could never do. Make guilty sinners righteous in the sight of God. How did he do it? By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. Every recipient of the grace of God in the crucifixion of His divine Son can claim those verses. No condemnation. No condemnation. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 9. Romans 5, beginning in verse 6. For while we were still weak, beloved, do you see the difference? You see it? They want to make a good showing in the flesh. <laughs> Look at how good I am. Look at what I've done. Look at how holy I am. How righteous I am. Shouldn't I be accepted? Shouldn't I be a special child of the living God? But all of the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation declares that we're sinners. Guilty in and of ourselves. (laughs) And he says, for while we were still weak. At the right time, Christ died. For the who? The ungodly. You remember what Jesus said? He came to save the unrighteous, not the righteous. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But that's not what happened. (laughs) That's not what happened. Jesus didn't die for good people. He didn't, listen, He didn't even die for people that are pretty much good. Or, you know, they're kind of at the core good. No. Jesus, it says, But God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by His blood, much more shall we be saved by Him from the wrath of God. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. For our sake, he that is God made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Righteousness is attained in Christ, not through self effort. 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2, verse 24. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, He that is Christ Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. Do you see it, beloved? The way to righteous living is not through fleshly effort, but through Christ. His crucifixion on the cross of Calvary is how you and I are going to be liberated to live a righteous life. Without His death on the cross, you have no power to do that on your own. He bore our sins in his own body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And he finally clarifies for us what Isaiah really meant when he said by his wounds we are healed. He's not talking about your physical health. He's talking about your soul. Sick. And so he died so that we can live. And so that we can die to sin and live to righteousness. All right. (laughs) Let's go back to Galatians 6. You'll be glad to know I'm going to share with you two things. That was all introduction. (laughs) I'm going to share with you two things. Two observations from this passage. Let's go back and read the verses again. Verse 14. But far be it from me. To boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Number one statement. Through the cross of Christ, Paul and all who are in Christ, through the cross, Paul was liberated from the present evil age. Through the cross of Christ, listen, on the cross, Almost 2,000 years ago, that historic event was the place and it was through that action that Paul says he was liberated from this present evil age. That's what he means, my friends, when he says that the world is crucified, verse 14, by which it far be it from me to boast, except I'm going to boast in one thing. What is it, Paul? The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is by which it is through the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ that the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. He has been liberated from the bondage to this present evil age. It is what he said at the beginning of the book, if you remember in Galatians chapter 1, verses 3 and following. Galatians 1, 3. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself, listen, for our sins. Why? To deliver us from the present evil age. According to the will of our God and Father. It was at The moment of the crucifixion of Christ that this happened. You understand? It happened decisively. And it happened effectually. And definitely. And ultimately. When he bowed his head and died. Paul said, I was set free from the bondage and slavery to this present evil age. Now what does he mean? Well the word world there. Think of it like this. The world system. The world system. Or think of it like this. The world system is evil. This is the world of fallen human logic. That's all that the people in the world have. It's all that you and I have. Apart from the grace of God, all we have is fallen human logic. All we have is the world system, the world of the flesh. That is, the world that is dominated by the desires of the flesh. He said, I was enslaved to that. Every baby born in this world is enslaved to the world system. To this present evil age with fallen human logic and fleshly desires. 1 John, 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2 verses 15 and 16. He writes about this what does it mean to talk about being liberated from the world it's not the ground it's not it's not dirt that he's liberated from the world it's the world system it's the philosophies of fallen humanity it's fallen human logic and passionate driving motivation to fulfill your fleshly desires. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world. What do you mean by the world, John? Or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is certainly not in him. For all that is in the world, so here he describes what he means by it, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, what you can look at and see. I want that, and I want this, and I want that, and I want this. And people are searching and groping and killing and and working slavishly so they can get what they see, so that they can have the pleasures in the flesh, and so they can have the pride of life and what I have in this life and what I accumulate and what I enjoy in this life. He says, but this is not from the Father, but is from the world. That's what Paul means. He's set free from that. It's so good. He's set free from that. And every day, I live, I, I, and you live, we see people, they're enslaved to it. They're in bondage to it, and you look at them and your eyes well up with the empathy and sympathy you have for them because you can see they're enslaved to this system this way of looking at the world and thinking and driven by their fleshly desires and Paul says I, I'm set free did you know beloved that the that this world system has a ruler did you know that this world system has a ruler his name is Satan the devil Look, if you will, in John chapter 12 and verse 31 as Jesus talks about this. Give me just a few moments, if you would, of your attention. John 12, 31, Jesus says, Now is the judgment of this world. What does he mean? Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. So we can clearly rule out that he's talking about the ruler of the world being God. Because certainly Jesus, the Son, would not, cast out or say that God the Father would be cast out no the ruler of this quote world close quote is the present evil age and the ruler of that age and this age that you and I are living in is Satan John 1430 John 1430 he talks about it again I will no longer talk much with you for the ruler of this world is coming. This world. What does he mean? The world. He's talking about the same thing that Paul was talking about. And John was talking about. The present evil age. said, he has no claim on me. Or the book of Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 beginning in verse 1. What a fundamental passage of Scripture. Ephesians 2.1 And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked... Now listen, following the course of this world, that's what he's talking about. Paul says, I've been set free from that. Following the course, the pattern, the path of the world. Not the dirt, but the world, the philosophy of fallen humanity, the logic of fallen humanity, and the driving motivation of the pursuit of the flesh. He says, we all once walked following the course of this world. And then he says, following the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our what? Flesh. Carrying out the desires of the what? The body and the mind. See, fallen human logic and the desires of the body and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Paul says, I'm going to boast in the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because through the cross, I've been liberated from this present evil age. The world. Or 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You can see so clearly that the world system has a leader, Satan. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 3 and 4 says this, and even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Listen to this. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. Satan is the ruler of the fallen, broken, depraved, and sinful system. Of the world and Satan rules among the unbelieving world. Listen, Satan has a people. He has a people. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19. 1 John chapter 5, the apostle here again is talking about this reality of this ruler of this age, Satan, and the reality that he does have a people. 1 John 5 19. We know that we are from God. And the whole what world lies in the power of the evil one. You see, my friends, this is the reason so often you hear me say the church is not about playing games or entertaining ourselves. We are grappling Sunday after Sunday, and and if you want to be dismissive of it in this room today, you certainly can be, as the rest of the world can be. But we are grappling with eternity. We are grappling with the weightiest of realities every week, every day when we pick up our Bibles. And we are rushing every moment of our lives toward that eternity. How about 1 Corinthians chapter 2? 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He talks about God's people and the wisdom that they have received. And he talks about those who are the leaders or the rulers of this age. And their wisdom and their logic and their discerning. You're not the Christ, they said. Listen to what he says. 1 Corinthians 2.6 Yet among the mature we do impart wisdom. Although it is not the wisdom of this age... Or are the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away? But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom from God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Satan is the ruler of this age and he has a people. How about John chapter 8? When Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of his day. In John chapter 8 verse 41. Down to verse 44. John chapter 8 verse 41. Listen to what Jesus says. You are doing the works of your father. You are doing the works your father did. (laughs) They said to him. We were not born of sexual immorality. We have one father even God. Jesus said to them. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand to the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And they were a part of his people. Matthew chapter 13, and we'll move on after this. Matthew 13:36. Then he left the crowds and went into the house and his disciples came to him saying, Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the, in the field. And he answered, The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seed is the sons of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the reapers are the angels. My friends, the ruler of this world is Satan and he does have a people. And Paul says, that he has been liberated from this present evil age. He says that he has been set free, going back to our text, from the world system. He's been liberated from it. He is no longer in bondage to it. Before he was bound by fallen human logic. That's all that he had. Before he was enslaved by fleshly desires. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes and the pride of life. Before, he tried to convince himself of some notion of self-righteousness, but now, he says, but now, in Christ, he has been made righteous. In Christ alone. Now, he has been loosed from fallen human logic. Now, he has been liberated from those fleshly desires, and now, he is directed and empowered by God the Holy Spirit to internally and truly love God and love righteousness and love holiness and goodness and godliness. Go over to John 17 and we'll close right here. Privilege that you and I have as children of God is unbelievable. If we didn't read it in Scripture, and know it is true. Jesus prays a prayer in this chapter is one of the most beautiful things I've ever read and he's praying about this reality that I'm trying to share with you this morning that if you're a child of God you are not of this world you are in the world but you are not of the world you've been liberated from it <laughs> you've been set free from it you you don't you're no longer bound by human Fallen logic. You're no longer bound by fleshly desires. You have power to overcome. John 17 1. When Jesus has spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, you know, I just pray, I just pray before we read this, God will show you. I pray he'll show you. Father, the hour has come, glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh. To give eternal life. To all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life. That they may know you. The only true God. And Jesus Christ. Whom you have said. All the other religions of the world. Are idols and false gods. He says to know you is eternal life. The true and the living God. And Jesus Christ whom you have sent." Human effort. Legalistic Judaism. Buddhism. Islam, Confucianism, any other world religion, he says. All the philosophies of the world, all the religions of the world, fallen human logic, efforts of the flesh. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. (laughs) And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. I am praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you gave me. For they are yours. All mine are yours and yours are mine. And I'm glorified in them. And I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in the truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us. I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am. To see my glory that you have given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Oh, righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you. And these know that you have sent me I made known to them your name and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Let's pray together. Oh Father, never read anything like that before. Every child of God in this room should be at this moment filled with joy and peace, and glory, and contentment, and pleasure in their innermost being. So filled with the reality of what it is to be a liberated child of the living God, and of a resurrected King. The ones who are the recipients of amazing grace, indescribable mercy and love. God, we, your church today, praise you and worship you and thank you for Christ. For the cross of Calvary where it all happened. God, we pray that if there's one here in this room walked in this room today, this morning earlier, trusting in their works, Trusting in anything but Christ, I pray, oh God, for them. That you will draw them and call them. And open their eyes, Lord, to see the truth. That you who said in the beginning, let there be light, would shine in their hearts in this moment. That light of your glory in the face of Jesus Christ. And from their heart, they would believe. And trust in him and him alone. To save them. And to make them righteous in your sight. We pray this in Jesus name. And amen.